and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com. We're through the regular season of fantasy, so I'm hoping that you guys racked up a lot of titles in your traditional formats. But there's still DFS to play throughout the rest of the postseason. Uh, there's still all kinds of fantasy games you can get into. So we're going to dig into those today with Chris Emmerich, esports and football expert over at Dr. Roto. What's up, Chris? Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, it sounds like you've had a pretty fun year uh, of both football and esports stuff. What's going on? Yeah, man, it's been, it's been fantastic. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, it has been a you know up and down year. Nothing that you wouldn't expect from uh dfs and fantasy mm -hmm. and as football is kind of winding down esports is running up but we still got one more week here in the regular season to kind of attack absolutely and so if you've listened before you know the game we're going to go through every game which we got the full 16 coming on saturday and sunday this week so we'll try to keep it brief for each game but hit on a major fantasy storyline hit on a dfs player or two for every game we think might have really good value before we get started, let me mention again that FO Plus is on sale for 99 cents a week for annual subscriptions. It's a limited time offer, so head over to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe or check out the link in the description of the show to look at our stats, analysis, fantasy, and betting info. It's really great stuff. Chris, we got a couple Saturday games to start with first. The first Chiefs at Broncos Saturday at 4.30 in Denver, 47 degrees and clear. Uh, actually quite good weather for a lot of the stuff going on this week, so I think the weather stuff is going to be a little bit relevant. Uh, I hate to start the show on a downer, but I think the major storyline here is whether, do you think Jerry Judy has been a bust? It feels like the major fantasy storyline going around right now is the fact that he hasn't cut a, caught a touchdown this season. Pretty shocking, but what do you think the long-term prospects are for the for the second-year receiver? Uh, I'm not ready to write him off yet. I, I think we've seen a lot of wide receivers come through Denver in the past couple of years that just mm -hmm. haven't uh, lived up to the expectation that we wanted. I, I mean, the guy on the other side of the field, uh, Cortland Sutton, yeah. Same type of situation. Um, so I think it goes a little bit deeper than the particular wide receiver talent and kind of more on the shoulders of the guy throwing the ball to him. I mean, I definitely think that's fair. And like Sutton, there's been a big injury component to this as too. Because like Judy, we forget maybe at this point of the year, but missed almost half the season with a really bad high ankle sprain early in the year. And you have to wonder if that maybe set his development back a little bit. I say the most encouraging thing for me is the fact that he's really cut down on his drop rate. It was 16.1% per catchable target last season. That was highest among wide receivers with 75 or more targets. This year it's 2.4%. And I know that we say like, hey, like, you know, drop rate doesn't always correlate very much year to year anyway. It's not an expectation, but there also can be a survivorship bias to that too. So like, it, I, I feel really good that that's been the case. But also I'll say that like his catchable target rate was famously really low last year at 55%. It's been 77% this season. So, like, it's a little surprising that the production hasn't been better, even with below average quarterback play, I would say. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, what it comes down to is if a guy is, you know, dropping balls, that's something that you can fix. At least he's getting open in those situations. Yeah. And so um, it, it's harder to teach a guy to get open than it is to, I, I guess, catch those balls. I mean, that's a, <laughs> I seem, seems like that's a, a, a easier fix. Um, you know, yeah. guys like Devontae Adams had catch problems. Um, mm -hmm. So, I, I'm not worried about that. I, I guess I'm just more worried about having some level of consistency uh, at the quarterback position, albeit not necessarily uh, the Broncos' fault that these guys keep getting hurt over and over. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, and I'll, I'll mention one more stat here is that 0.70 yak plus per catch. So, like, relative to where he's getting his targets and catches, how much is he generating after the catch? That's really, really good. It has him right between Cooper Cup and CD Lamb. So even if I'm surprised it's not a little bit better this year, you wonder what would happen if, say, Aaron Rodgers got dropped into this mix. It could be pretty exciting. 
from a DFS perspective, I'm honestly not sure what's that exciting here. Uh, I mean, you can obviously roll with some of the, the usual suspects with the Chiefs, but I threw out Javante Williams at 6,000 in FanDuel. So, you know, this this was actually the game earlier in the year when he was the featured back when Melvin Gordon was out and he had 178 yards and a touchdown. You know, Gordon's back. It's it's still probably a split back time here. Um, but it does seem like Williams has been getting a little bit more than a 50-50 split of late. Do you see that at all? Or is this is this kind of a waste of time in the matchup? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, the unfortunate part was that was on an, a, a primetime game. We didn't get him in, in a main slate. Uh, we love Javante Williams over at yeah. Dr. Roto. I mean, he's been a, a, a big... We just wanted him to get a shot, and that was a shot. But unfortunately, Melvin Gordon keeps getting you know these opportunities, regardless of whether it's a 50-50 split or something close to it. Uh, it's super frustrating. I mean, I guess for me, one of the, the pieces that I like in this game is just that Kansas City defense. They've been uh-huh. absolutely lights out. Uh, last game against Cincinnati was kind of the, the first one in a long time where they didn't have two or more turnovers forced. Yeah. Um, so I'm locking them into my two game DFS lineups. I think that's an astute pick there for sure. Cause like, I, this is kind of a relevant point with Javante Williams too, is that like the chiefs, they had the 19th run defense DVOA, which doesn't sound very good, but they were 31st after six weeks. So if you look over the last 10 or so weeks, I mean, they're a top 10 run defense, a big cutter of rushing touchdown rate. It, it's kind of a weird predicament where the Broncos are definitely going to want to try to run the ball, but it's actually probably not the right thing to do for the defense. So you wonder if maybe the Chiefs defense could have success as like a matchup thing. I think that's a great pick. Yeah, and are they going to be able to run the ball? I, yeah. I, I mean, like from a game flow perspective, if they go down, I mean, they're not just going to be able to run the ball if they're down two scores, and that's a very real possibility. Chiefs defense has been coming on in the mm-hmm. you know the last two months, but so is their offense. Absolutely. All right, the Saturday night game, Cowboys and Eagles, Saturday at 8.15 in Philadelphia. 23 degrees, so very cold, but clear, which is good. But interestingly, Dak Prescott has had pretty extreme home road splits in recent seasons, averaging 7.3 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road. That's the third highest home road split among current starting quarterbacks. So my question to you is, like, are you ever starting Prescott in fantasy away from Dallas? Yeah, I mean, and you're almost forced to in this week, though, right? Uh, you know, you don't have a ton of options. And so a lot of guys are going to be probably <laughs> sitting that you would normally start if they had motivation. Well, yeah, I, I mean, and you're if you're playing this game, you're probably playing it as part of a, a two game slate. So exactly. it, it, there's less options uh, on the main slate. Or if you're playing one of these 15 games where they take this game and add it to it, I'm probably not. I mean, it's a divisional matchup. Dak mm-hmm. has not looked good, um, you know, except for that one game recently against Washington. And they've had a lot of games on the road, uh, you know, in this mm-hmm. back half of the season. Very rarely have they been at home. And so that kind of recency bias is contributing to all of these bad performances being so fresh in our brains. Um, Losing Michael Gallup, I think, definitely hurts. But uh, Cedric Wilson should be able to step in. And uh, just curious where they're going to run these different wide receivers and the routes. But uh, no, I'm probably not starting Dak in most situations. Yeah, (laughs) and I'm going to circle back to Wilson, a little preview of, of my preferred DFS option for this game. But I'm glad that you pointed out how many road games Cowboys have played of late. Cause I think that that really illustrates the point that I'm saying with Prescott's home road splits. Cause I think we think of Prescott as having this huge midseason slump from weeks 11 to 15. He had just five passing touchdowns in five games, had five interceptions too. It was just like, Oh man, this guy is like, what is wrong with him? Four of those five games were on the road. Since then he's done seven touchdowns in two games, both at home. So you're like, this actually kind of makes a little bit of sense. It's not altogether surprising that a quarterback that plays his home game, games in a dome would fare better at home. I mean, 
Dome's increased quarterback touchdown rate by 10% per attempt. I mean, it's pretty market from a fantasy perspective what the benefits can be. Doesn't help you this week, but I, I think that's an interesting thing to keep in mind going forward. If you're playing stuff in the playoffs, maybe playing next year. Prescott may not be an every week starter, even if he's a top 10 quarterback overall, the way that you might expect. But let's get to the DFS side of things. Because like you mentioned, Michael Gallup tore his ACL. That stinks. I mean, there's a guy that was probably set to cash in in free agency. So hopefully he'll get back healthy soon. But I think it does open the door for, for Wilson. He set December highs with six targets and a 47% snap share last week. So it, it seems like he maybe not replacing Gallup entirely, but he's going to be playing a good bit. Like this strikes me as a really nice value. I noticed he was uh, just 4,200 in DraftKings for the for the 15 game slate. Like what are your thoughts there or elsewhere in this game? Yeah, and it's just, I, I like going there. Um, it, it's just hard to trust a lot of the other parts uh, on both of these teams. I mean, CeeDee Lamb, four targets last week, five yeah. the week before, hasn't seen double-digit targets in a month, and that's uh, obviously the person that you want to kind of stack with that. I, I feel like he's the premier wide receiver there, but he just hasn't been uh, for one reason or another, whether it's the blowout, just not getting mm -hmm. the targets, or any of these things, um, uh, especially in the two-game uh, slate. I do think that he's still going to be one of the more popular plays because you don't have a ton of options. Yeah. So I think getting away from him and just automatically not putting him in your lineup uh, will give you a huge advantage if this continues. Now, it, look, it, at the end of the day, he could get 10 targets, blow up and, <laughs> and be the number one scorer. But like, look, yeah. that's kind of the leverage that you need. Um, you know, that's what we thought on Thanksgiving when it was Swift and Montgomery. And if you didn't have those two guys in your lineup, uh, it worked out really well for you. Uh, so that's, I, I think, another situation with CeeDee Lamb here. Nice. Okay. Agreed. Let's shift over to Sunday and then shift over to the games where like playoff motivation is going to be key in making some fantasy decisions. 1 p.m. We got the Bengals at Browns. That's in Cleveland. 39 degrees, 62% chance of rain slash potentially some snow, 16 mile per hour winds with gusts of 38. So like, this is like a really severe weather game. And like, we don't, we don't know who's going to be playing this week. So the, the deal of it is the Bengals are currently alive for the number one seed in the buy in the AFC. But if the chiefs win on Saturday, which I think we probably expect, then the Bengals won't be able to do that anymore. And I think that opens the door to pretty much everybody sitting. Burrow has actually already told, reporters that he expects to sit makes a lot of sense given how many hits he takes the fact that he tweaked his knee last week joe mixon has already ruled out being on the covid list but like what are your thoughts on other Bengals? like are are jamar chase and t higgins going to sit what about tyler boyd cj uzoma like are all of these guys no go and does that open the door for anyone else yeah, I mean, I feel like the, that's kind of what the implied total is saying. These guys are implied for 16 points at this and, and <laughs> Like, you can't get excited about some of these guys at their current prices. You, you can't play them. You can't play an $8,300 Jamar Chase mm -hmm. uh, within a, a 16 implied total. Um, some of these other guys that are stepping in, um, you know, do you want to kind of trust the production to basically guys that should be playing in the preseason? Yeah. I, I don't have a lot of picks in this game. I don't, I, I just, I can't see myself playing most of these guys. Yeah. It strikes me that a lot of those guys at most are going to play like one or two series as a way to stay sharp. So like for me, no chase, no Higgins, no Boyd, no even Uzoma in your lineups, especially the fact if, if Burrow's going to sit, like, you know, that's not going to work. And like, for me, if Burrow's not going to sit, I'm not going to gamble on Stanley Morgan or Mike Thomas or whoever, right? Mm -hmm. I just, it seems really unlikely that they're going to produce. Plus you have the terrible weather. So honestly, the only player on the Bengals that I might consider playing is Samaj P. Ryan, who is still relatively inexpensive, 5,300 in DraftKings. 
but the question is like, will the Bengals have enough offensively so that it's not super easy to stop their running game? Like that, that would be the major concern there. So like, what would you do with, with P Ryan, maybe being a guy that normally would be a really nice handcuff. That's a top 20 type of player, but in this spot, maybe isn't. Yeah. I mean, I think you could play P Ryan at 5,300. That's just, it's an attractive enough price that there's not a ton that he needs to do. Um, And right now he's slated for, you know, sub 5% ownership on the slate. So um, I like it from that leverage standpoint. I think, you know, if you're going to focus on any of these guys in this game, it's going to be P Ryan or on the other side of the running game, whether it's Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, um, or depending on who even plays for Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it seems like all of their running backs are going to be questionable heading into this week. So it it could be dicey, even for like Nick Chubb, somebody that you would think would do really well in this spot. Don't really know if he's going to be playing his his full volume as, as typical. So maybe a game to avoid. Uh, next up, we got a game with similar circumstances here in my mind. Packers at Lions, 1 p.m. in Detroit in the Dome. You feel good about that from a fantasy perspective normally. Um but I don't know. So like Aaron Rodgers told reporters that he expects to play. He expects Devontae Adams to play. But the Packers have already locked up not just a playoff berth, not just the division, but the number one seed in the NFC. So, I mean, they have nothing to play for other than sharpness or, or whatever other intangible type of benefits you might get from, from playing once when you're going to get next week off for sure anyway. So what's your read of this situation? Like I'm kind of treating it like I treat the Bengals, but like, I don't know, maybe their opportunities – if I'm wrong, that guys like them could go off and, and then they wouldn't be on a lot of rosters and DFS lineups. Yeah, I just don't understand how the Packers continually get the Lions in the last week of the season. <laughs> it doesn't matter. At least this time it's in Detroit. It's not in Green Bay. I feel like that happens all the time. Uh, half the time the game doesn't matter. I, I don't want any part of kind of this Packers like passing mm-hmm. attack. I don't expect them to play uh, very much. Even if they're saying that they're going to play, they're going to be out there for a series or two. I I just, I can't see them playing all game. What benefit do they have? You know, the decision from that offense is really, you know, do you trust any of the other wide receivers with uh, Jordan Love? Do you have Aaron Jones? Is it, is it uh, uh, AJ Dillon? Um, It's not my favorite side of it. I kind of like the Detroit side a lot more than I do with the Packers. Yeah. Interesting. So I'll put out one more Packer idea because like kind of following the Samaj P Ryan line, could you go with AJ Dillon? Like he's not a traditional backup in the way that P Ryan is like, he's a player they're going to want to give work to in the playoffs, pretty substantial work, but I don't know, like maybe it's a situation where he's a highly drafted pick that hasn't played a ton in in his two year career. Uh, Maybe they're going to want to get him run as like just a way to give him more opportunities to develop in the league. And you feel like that would be good facing the lions defense as 31st and run defense DVOA. But I don't know, that seems riskier than P Ryan. Do you feel that way too? Yeah, I mean, it, I, you can go, you know, if you're you're doing 150 lineups, maybe you go to like Patrick Taylor, 4,000. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not, again, that, those aren't my favorite plays. I think you can play Dylan, but I can see him not playing in the second half of this game too. Okay. But basically the starters here for like, you know, maybe a quarter, a couple starts, like this is like the second game in the preseason. Uh, AJ Dylan plays the rest of that second quarter. And then the second half is just guys that you don't expect to see in the playoffs. So if, if there are some lines that can maybe benefit from a more favorable game script than you might expect, if the Packers aren't really trying that hard, is, is one of them stand out from a fantasy perspective? I mean, probably not DeAndre Swift after his surprising lack of usage last week, but 
maybe an Amon Ross St. Brown or someone? Yeah, I mean, I still like Swift at 12% ownership. That's what we have him projected at. Um, I still think he's worth a consideration. There is a lot of hesitancy based off of what happened last week. Um, but I, yeah, I'm on Ryan St. Brown, you know, just double digit targets week in, week out with <laughs> Tim Boyle. Like the, this guy is their offense right now. He's 6,800, still uh, only projected at sub 5% ownership right really? now, even if he's sub 10%. Um, and I do expect that number to kind of climb. Uh, I just love him even at 6,800. I'm ready to get burned, but I mean, he has been paying off week after week and why not go right back to the well? Yeah, that number surprises me. I actually have him projected as a top 10 PPR wide receiver this week. Now that assumes that Jared Goff's going to play, which we, we still don't really know at this point, but either way, just the, the volume of targets is such that I'm shocked that people aren't riding that train a little bit harder. So maybe an opportunity for you there in your lineups. Let's keep on trucking, though. Bears at Vikings sticking with the division, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Another game in a dome in Minnesota, which you'd like from a fantasy perspective. This is my my common troll thing, talking about Kirk Cousins here. But I'm going to say Sean Mannion, another another start subbing for, for Cousins. He's had two of those in his career now. Cousins, normally a very healthy player, but obviously with the COVID vaccine situation, you know, couldn't play last week. But Sean Mannion didn't really do very well. 5.3 yards per attempt, just 189 passing yards. Does that change how you feel about Cousins at all? Do you think that his like public re- reputation as a player is already sailed or like he he does really well from a fantasy perspective, but maybe that's not the same in real life. Like what, what's your read on that or maybe the fantasy implications of that in your mind? I mean, I've always liked Kirk Cousins. I, I, I thought he's been a decent fantasy quarterback. I mean, uh, you know, prime time struggles aside, getting through the playoffs aside and how you feel about him as a Vikings fan. I'm not a Vikings fan. That's OK. I'm just a fantasy guy. I want to plug him into the lineup. He has the weapons and, you know, we sometimes question why he doesn't do better. But when you see kind of some of these replacements, they do even worse. So yeah. I think Cousin gets a bad rap sometimes just because he's not necessarily the most flashy guy when when he's playing back there but he does put up fantasy points he's not a top tier guy but i mean he's like a better version of ryan Tannehill in my in my view and i think there are some reasons to suspect that like his overall numbers are kind of padded relative to the quality of player that he is and some of that's been kind of conservative type of approach in his career but i want to point out too that he's got 1.4 air yards less expectations on third downs this season basically like relative to the sticks to get a new first down he's throwing 1.4 yards beyond the sticks that's a pretty high number i mean it's not justin herbert but like it's up there and to me like i feel like there may have been some improvements and refinements in his game in recent seasons that people i think already made up their minds on him so you know i guess from a fantasy perspective the, the point might be this might be a good spot to take some advantage you're playing at home in the dome. Good for the fantasy value there for he and some of his of his teammates. Although I'll say from a DFS perspective, Darnell Mooney kind of intrigues me a little bit. He's just 6,300 in FanDuel. Maybe just isn't quite the right word. But there's a pretty marked split here where he's averaging 6.2 targets per game when Justin Fields plays the whole game and 8.5 targets per game when Andy Dalton plays the full game this year. That's only four games. Maybe there's a grain of salt right there. But it makes some sense because Dalton's a traditional pocket passer, isn't running the ball, has more pass plays per game because of that. Is that in, that, in your mind, could that be a little bit of a lever there where you can take advantage and, and then roll Mooney out there in fantasy this week? Or, or is there somebody that maybe makes more sense to you? No, I agree. Uh, Mooney is my absolute favorite play from this game. I mean, you could try and get cute and go at Helen Robinson, but I mean, we've been, he's hurt me enough that yeah. I, I, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this Minnesota defense uh, has given up just, massive amounts of fantasy points to wide receivers um 
I think three or four times more than 50 points mm -hmm. to wide receivers. And so Mooney's going to be the guy that's going to score those points for Chicago if the, if they're going to come. And, you know, from looking at the key marks from Minnesota, they are going to come. So yeah. I, I like I like Mooney and I like him on on DraftKings just as much as I do on FanDuel. Nice. Yeah, kind of furthering your point there, with my metrics, the Vikings increased number one receiver yards and touchdowns by 16% and 13% per target. So, like, it's going to particularly benefit the number one guy in Mooney, too. So I, I feel really good about it. I think that's a great option for you in DFS. Let's keep going. Washington at Giants, 1 p.m. Eastern time in New York, 40 degrees, 55% chance of rain, um, mod moderate winds, 9 to 21 gusts. So not quite as bad, but still a chance for the rain and the cold weather. It could be a tough one for fantasy perspectives. Tough, tough too that the Giants are starting Jake Fromm. So there may not be a ton that you want to go with here. Zach could potentially be a running back, but I got to say, I haven't really been enamored with Saquon Barkley this year. Do you think he's still an elite running back anymore? I would say some of his metrics suggest that may not be the case, which would be obviously really sad if that were the case. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at the metrics. It, it, it does tell a story, but, you know, watching the Giants play tells another story. I mean, he has nothing around him. Uh, this offense may be the worst in recent memory for me. Yeah, it's, it's um, it is just really bad. So I don't know how much do we hold against Barkley for – you know, the misgivings of this entire team, the coaching staff and everything that's happened. Um, I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and let's run it back one more season. Mm -hmm. He'll be a little bit further away from that injury. If we're there next year, then absolutely. Yeah, no, he's not an elite running back, but he's probably not a guy that I'm taking in the first round of redrafts either. Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, in a redraft sense, I think you have to question the health. So like that, that would throw him down anyway. He might not even be in the second round at this point. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's true. <laughs> it, I, I tried to pull some metrics that are things that I think of as being more the purview of a running back versus like a full team measure of rushing success. And it, those numbers don't look good. So like avoided tackle rate in his three healthy seasons, 11.1% to 7.4% to 2.6% this year is fifth worst. Yards after contact per attempt, 2.8, 2.9, both top six down to 1.8 this season. Now I'll say that like some of those stats that you think just based on the description of what they are, you think that they're probably mostly running back related, but it's, it's interesting how well those tend to correlate with overall team success kind of to point out, like there are three Browns running backs right now that are top 10 in yards after contact per attempt. So you have to figure like somehow their blocking is creating extra opportunities for those backs to succeed after contact. I'm not sure exactly how that nuance plays out, but the giants, they're the fourth worst run blocking team by adjusted line yard. So like, you're right. This, this offense is terrible. It's a tough spot for him to produce. I want to believe, but I do wonder, I know we just kind of assume that a guy that tears his ACL is going to get back to normal, but every now and then it, that's not the case. I don't know. I'm nervous about it. You're not starting him in fantasy this week, but I think at this point you're just kind of hopeful. You'd love to see such an elite talent get back to where he was. Sure. And there's a trickle down effect is these teams are, you know, at the end of their season, they're not mm. playing well. And it's not just like him, it's all the guys around him. Maybe if they've kind of quit or given up or giving half effort makes it harder for the rest of these guys to succeed. Um, even if they are giving that full effort. So it's um, true. yeah. So, I mean, where does that leave you in DFS? I mean, probably avoiding this game. Right. But like maybe on the Washington side, is there anybody like I'm going to throw out John Bates, the rookie tight end, just because it seems like Ricky Seals Jones, he had that that's tough collision with a camera guy last week. Seems likely to for me to sit because of a concussion. Maybe that would open the door the door for Bates. But I don't know. Is there anybody you're eyeing in this game from a DFS angle? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go with the the football team defense. Um, oh yeah, this that's, this that's gi- I mean, this sure. Giants. Like, I mean, even the Bears hadn't been good at uh, turning people over, and it, it, it just there's gonna be one to two turnovers here can they turn that into a touchdown Mm -hmm. uh the football team has not been great at at creating turnovers but they're not the ones that are creating it it's going to be the giants it's going to be wrong (laughs) it's going to be it's going to be all of these guys that are creating those turnovers so you know at 3100 i think that's a really good spot to kind of just attack the defense uh almost like a set it and forget Mm -hmm. it uh in that mid-range absolutely all right, next up we have the Colts at Jaguars, 1 p.m. in Jacksonville. 78 degrees and clear. We got some good good uh, some good weather here. Maybe creates a couple of fantasy opportunities, although if it's not Jonathan Taylor, you may be a little bit more hard-pressed. Uh, my longer kind of viewed fantasy question for you is, are you concerned about Trevor Lawrence's prospects as a franchise quarterback? And, like, the big thing that I pull here is we use passing DVOA as sort of a measure for quarterbacks. And I, granted, it's like a team measure of passing efficiency, we probably all agree that Lawrence has had a really tough spot with this surrounding talent and coaches, but he's down there past negative 20% passing DVOA in a rookie season. There, there are not many success stories in his neighborhood other than Josh Allen, but like, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, you know, I am concerned, uh, but just like Barkley, I am willing to give him a little bit of a benefit of a doubt because of the team that's been around him and the coaching situation. Um, you know, just the concern is just how much worse it feels like he's been getting throughout the year. Um, you would expect to see some level of progression, but I think I've seen the exact opposite. I was trying to defend Lawrence at the beginning of the year, saying that some of his throws, his pocket presence and, and different aspects of his game looked good, especially in comparison to yeah. uh, some of the other rookies that has not been the case towards the the second half of the season but is that a byproduct of you know the coaching situation everything that's gone around and look Marvin Jones is not a number one wide receiver like when they brought him to Detroit to be the number one wide receiver it didn't work out because he's not a number one wide receiver uh now Treadwell has kind of emerged as the preferred target but he's not a one number one wide receiver these guys aren't even number two wide receivers at this point in some of their careers and so yeah it, it, it is difficult to make that assessment, but there is a, a lot of cause of concern for Lawrence and, you know, everybody basically that came out of this draft aside from, you know, like a Mac Jones and even like Davis Mills is outperforming these guys. And that's not what you would have expected. Yeah. Let me start with the bad. I'm going to go with the worst passing DVOAs for rookie quarterbacks that played a lot in the last five seasons, starting at the bottom of the list. Stop me when you hit a guy that you think had like an encouraging rookie season. Jared Goff, negative 75%. Josh Rosen, negative 54%. Those guys are kind of negative outliers. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins, negative 42. Josh Allen, negative 36. Justin Fields, negative 28. That's really bad. Zach Wilson, negative 27. That's really bad. Trevor Lawrence, negative 22. Not a, not a banner year for some of the highly drafted rookie quarterbacks. Um, Daniel Jones, negative 19 is better than Trevor Lawrence. Mitchell Trubisky, negative 17 is better than, than, than Lawrence. Sam Darnold, negative 15 is better. Davis Mills is better this year, negative 14. Carson Wentz, negative 12. Maybe you're kind of getting closer to encouraging. Tua, everyone's favorite punching bag, negative 7 or negative 8. And then Joe Burrow, negative 7. So, like, when you get a little bit below average, then you start getting, like, that's actually really good for a rookie, but that's that's not great company there, you know? And a lot of the guys that ended up being good were good kind of immediately. Prescott. Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, Mac Jones is above average, all these guys above average. So it's, I think that's all kind of a tough look. And you hope that that says more about the offense and the surrounding talent than it does about him. The thing that I am like, 
I think is kind of a silver lining is maybe the best way to put it is that it does seem like Lawrence is, is like not falling into the conservative, like, let me just keep myself safe. Like he's still trying to be a real NFL quarterback, which I, I like that. So like 7.9 yard average depth of throw that's up there with Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. Like he's putting the ball down the field. Unlike Zach Wilson, unlike Davis Mills, he's 1.3 Alex on third downs. That's not that I mentioned earlier. Like he's, he's throwing it beyond the sticks to try to convert new first downs even though the situation is not good, that's not true for Wilson. That's not true for Davis Mills. So like there are a couple of things there that I would say are encouraging. It's better to fail as an aggressive quarterback than, than it would be to fail as a conservative one. Um, but it's, it's all kind of bad news. Ugh. Yeah. Get, I, that, get that taste out of my mouth. And, and it's just tough. I mean, they're going to bring in a new coach and you know, you really got to nail that. You got to nail that higher for his development, for his future and some of the names that are floating out there just, hmm. just aren't it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd really love to see the Jaguars go like retro Colts and just like invest everything in offense this offseason. Like your only job as a front office is to try to make this work for Lawrence, even if you have by far the worst defense. And like if you can get Lawrence on the track that he was supposed to be on, fix the defense in the next three years, right? But mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it's interesting to see what they're going to do. Uh, here's probably another game where the DFS options aren't necessarily lovely apart from Jonathan Taylor, who I think you'd probably start at any price. Um, but what about Dare Ogunbowale? He's 5,600 in FanDuel. He's played 82% and 66% of snaps the last two weeks. Um, since, you know, James Robinson went down, they just don't have a lot of other options at the position. Is that at a place where you would go with that? Or are you maybe scared of the Colts defense as a tough matchup for him too? Yeah, a little bit. I, I do, especially in like a must-win situation for the Colts. Um, I, I kind of like I, I like the play. Um, where I'm looking at is kind of like a Dan Arnold at like 2,500. Mm, uh, super cheap. Um, O'Shaughnessy has missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday. I don't have the report for Friday yet. Uh, coming off the COVID list, this guy was getting you know five to seven targets before he got hurt. Um, and this Colts defense is you know right there with the Chargers as the worst defense against tight ends giving up a ton of receptions a ton of yards a ton of touchdowns uh and dan Arnold at 2500 like when you can find a guy that's going to get a couple targets at 2500 yeah. even if they don't blow it up for you they're gonna open up the rest of your lineup and i think dan arnold is a guy that can get you four five x at that 2500 mm -hmm. maybe score a touchdown and you're in a good spot then yeah i didn't write this down but i think he was like top eight in target share among tight ends between weeks about five and ten like once he got established after the trade of Jacksonville before he got hurt. So like, that's a, that's a sneaky play. It's interesting too, because the Colts are a lot better at run defense than pass defense. And like with Ogan Bawala, you're kind of hoping that maybe he'll catch some passes too, but like Arnold, that makes a ton of sense. Love that play. That's a good option for you. If you need to save some cash at that position. Um, let's keep going. I think we got a couple more 1 PM games and then we can finally get to the later ones. Steelers at Ravens 1 PM in Baltimore, 38 degrees, 65% chance of rain. I'm pretty sure that Deontay Johnson is going to miss this game. He went on the COVID list, I think, on Wednesday, which when you land on it that late in the week, it doesn't give you a lot of opportunities to clear it. So, like, let's assume that he's out. Is there a Steelers receiver you think that could step up in his absence and maybe be worth starting from a fantasy perspective? I think the main two that you look at, the obvious one is obviously Chase Claypool. Uh, you know, he's a good price, large snap share. Uh, but also Ray Ray McLeod is the other yeah. guy. I mean, I think some people will see that. Some people will go to James Washington. I mean, that's just one of those kind of decisions that if you are going to go to um, – 
you know, the Steelers passing attack, which I think you want to against Baltimore. And I think you want to in what's going to be Ben's last game. Like, I, I think they're going to throw the ball. I think they're going to throw it 35, 40 times. And it, Claypool's probably going to get the bulk of that. But who's going to get more? Ray Ray McLeod, James Washington, and who's going to catch their ball? So uh, I think you can even do a really cheap stack there if you wanted to get kind of wild, just a, a – a throwback to when we used to just find ways to stack the Steelers whenever you can. Of course, yeah. that was Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, uh, and Ben. But, you know, whatever. Chase, Chase Claypool and McLeod, it's the same. Yeah, people that maybe haven't been keeping up with the injuries the Ravens have been dealing with this season probably will be shocked to hear that they're down to 30th in pass defense DVOA. And, like, the way I see it, it's a lot more of the secondary issues where, like, literally all the starters are gone. I'm like, you're – it's band-aids at this point in that part of the field. And so it feels like a lot of these receivers could benefit if they could get the ball to them in time. I, I was a little bit surprised to see that McLeod has played 63% and 65% of offensive snaps the last two weeks, while James Washington's been at 31 and 19%. I think McLeod has kind of ended up being the slot guy replacing Juju Smith-Schuster, which I'm not sure I would have expected that going into the, I guess, after the injury. So, like, I kind of see there's a little bit of chance for volume right there. I kind of like that play. Maybe all three of them are going to play a pretty good amount this week because of the lack of other options at the position. But I think McLeod, he's just 3,800 in DraftKings. That seems like a really good option for you um, in, in fantasy this week. Is, is anybody else standing out, or is that the guy? No, and I mean, especially when you look at the last two weeks. I mean, he had 10 targets against the Browns, eight against Kansas City at 3,800. I mean, Right now, I have them sub 3% ownership. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to change if people think that's getting too cute. But, uh, you know, hey, 3,800, seven or more targets, sign me up. Let's go. Absolutely. He's also got a dramatically lower average depth of target than guys like James Washington and Claypool. So, like, if, they, if, if Roethlisberger needs to get the ball out, maybe because of bad weather or maybe because of a pass rush, he might be the better option there than some of the, the outside guys too. So I think I like that from a lot of different perspectives. think it makes a lot of sense. All right, next up, Titans at Texans, 1 p.m. Eastern time in the Dome in Houston. So the big fantasy news here, it's, it's probably not going to matter for week 18 specifically, but I wanted to ask you about it anyway. Derrick Henry was activated from injured reserve, so I think it seems pretty likely he'll be back for their first playoff game, which, you know, they may get the buy. So we'll, we'll see how that, that rolls out. But let's assume that this is like a longer-term thing. What are your thoughts on, on Henry? Like, are you going to be comfortable using him in DFS the first game that he plays back? Or are you going to want to see him a week before you kind of take the risk if there is one coming off the big injury? Uh, you know, I don't know. I just, it, it depends on what everybody else is thinking. Like it, it, what, what's his price? What are people, you know, what are pe other people thinking? Yeah. Um, you know, I would have concerns, but I would imagine that he's going to be priced pretty high. So you're taking a huge risk there. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be baked into the ownership. But if everybody else has this confidence and just thinks he's going to crush, you know, I, I'll take the other side of it. Um, so if other people are worried and they want to take a wait and see approach like people do, then I want to be early on that. So, um, I, I just try and, avoid what everybody else is doing yeah. in those situations and hope that I don't need to be right. I just need everybody else to be wrong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Very crafty. I like that a lot. That's, that's the, like, you only need to be faster than the slowest man running away from a bear in the woods. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting. Like, you know, not having a medical background, this is tough for me, but like the Jones fracture, the most recent player that I remember having that was Debo Samuel who got surgery and missed four months. So it's like, this seems like a remarkable recovery, but Henry, I don't think, had surgery. And so I, I just don't understand that injury enough to get a sense of, like, is this an unusual return timetable or anything along those lines? So I'm going to have to just trust the news on what I get there. What's interesting, too, is, like, 
the AFC is packed with really good run defenses. The Bengals, Bills, Pats, Colts, and Raiders, they're all top 15 in run defense DVOA. The Chiefs I mentioned are 19th, but they're top 10 since week six. So like I would say they're probably current talent is up there too. And then the Chargers are 32nd. They're like an abomination of a run defense. <laughs> You're like really interested to see what the Titans, who they get matched up with in the playoffs. I feel like that may go a long way with this as well. It's pretty intriguing. Um, you know, in the short term, if Henry doesn't play, I'll say that I kind of like Dante Foreman too. He's 5,700 in DraftKings, so like not nearly what Henry was being priced at his peak. And he's, you know, he's he's in a committee for sure. But he has a 50% carry share since week 14. That's top 20 among running backs. And he's got that Derrick Henry-esque 2.3 yards after contact per attempt. Like he's an old school early down back, can really kind of run through contact and stuff. I kind of like him. Feels like this could be a good spot facing the tech Texans in their bottom 10 run defense. Would you start him this week, assuming Henry doesn't play? Yeah, and I've been playing Foreman a lot. I like him. I, I had him circled as my play from this game. Um, you know, the the concern is that he hasn't finished a couple of these games. He, he's gotten hurt, but when he has, you know, 26 carries, 22 carries, both of those getting 100-yard bonuses, finding the end zone, yeah. uh, this passing attack for the Titans has – uh, you know, been marred with injuries as well. And, you know, going against Houston, like uh, you just kind of have to play him in 5,700. I'm totally there. I have him around 15, 16%. So he's one of the higher owned uh, running backs sense. for the slate, but not the highest and not at a point where I, I just can't play anybody, you know, over 25%. So at 16, I'm still good. I, I like Foreman. He's going to be in my, my player pool and my considerations. Okay, nice. All right, we finally made it to the 4.25 p.m. window, so we're, we're good. Right. There's so many games, but I think we're making good time here. Um, next up, we got the Saints at Falcons. That's in the Dome in Atlanta. Uh, Cordero Patterson, maybe the fantasy MVP for a lot of the season, but I've got a question. Did he run out of gas, do you think? So, like, he his, he's declined from 16 to 11 to 7 to 9 carries the last three weeks. Maybe game script and stuff was involved, too, but, like, He's at 200 touches this season on offense. His previous career high was 85 last season. It's like, it's a really weird situation. And over the last four weeks, he's got the lowest yards per attempt of all running backs at 2.7 yards per attempt. Do you think that's just like circumstantial with matchups and stuff? Or do you think that that's a concern for Patterson maybe this week and also long-term? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, did he run out of gas or did they stop bringing the car out of the, the garage? Um, it, because it's not just the before... Uh, you know, some of these rushing declines happen. They stopped throwing him the ball as much. They stopped having him involved in the passing game. And then now they've kind of phased him out of the running game as well. I mean, against Buffalo, it's one thing, but against Detroit, they only have seven attempts. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's just really puzzling what they're doing over there in Atlanta and the usage behind Cordell Patterson. I mean, could there be something behind the scenes that we don't know? Is he actually, you know, not able to take this workload? I don't know, but I can't play him in DFS uh, just based on these numbers and what's going on against a tough divisional game against the Saints. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because he's a free agent this offseason. He's also going to be turning 31 years old this offseason. I have no idea if the Falcons are rebuilding or they're trying to win. They're, it's just a very confusing team with Matt Ryan's contract being so expensive for dead cap. You don't really know what they're going to do or whether Patterson might be in their long-term plans or not. It's confusing. I would say that like in the short term, you're not going to start him this week, I don't think, are you? I mean, the Saints have one of the best run defenses in football. I think it's too bad a recent trend of workload and efficiency and too tough of a matchup spot to trust him. 
But if if that's the case, like you're running out of guys that you're really eager to start, I would say from a DFS perspective, I did want to get like, what's your thought on Taysom Hill as a fantasy option? I know it hasn't gone great his last two starts. He only has one passing touchdown, hasn't scored as a runner in that time, but he has taken 11, 11, 11, and 12 carries in his four starts this season. So that's like a very consistent workload that you would think would lead to success. But I don't know, like what are your thoughts on him in this spot or just maybe more generally? Sure. I mean, I think he gives you a pretty safe floor with his rushing upside. Um, and, you know, he gives you an accessible ceiling on top of that. I don't need him to throw a lot of balls. I, I'm yeah. just content with him running it um, and kind of, you know, being one of the few quarterbacks that I don't necessarily need to stack somebody with, yeah. um, you know, even last week, 17.4 fantasy points on DraftKings is fine. Um, but I do like Callaway too at 5,000. Mm. He's kind of, building up to what we all wanted him to be in the, <laughs> the you know, in the, yeah, yeah, the, the preseason. Yeah. Like I, I had, a, I had a ton of Taysom Hill and Jameis and Callaway on best ball teams and that didn't really work out, but you know, Callaway now nine targets, five targets, 10 targets, the last three games, getting some catches. He's a little bit more expensive, but you know, if you want to play Taysom, I think he's a fine play. You just always want to play people against the Falcons. Right. Um, and then Callaway's the way that I, I would kind of, pair him up with if you needed a stack partner but yeah I, I like Taysom Hill okay nice all right next up Jets at Bills 425 in Buffalo 39 degrees with uh kind of like old school weather from a few weeks ago 60 percent chance of rain 22 mile per hour sustained winds gust to 40 miles per hour so we recall that the Patriots had some success in that in that kind of inclement weather in Buffalo just running all over the Bills right but the Jets, I don't know. They're not quite the same offense the Patriots are. Do you think the Jets can kind of make that game plan work for them? And does that influence your fantasy ideas of who might work for this game and who won't? I don't think so. Uh, but when it comes to the Bills, there have been a lot of things that I was very confident on. Like, I, I think they, you know, have some of the struggles that they did against the teams that they did throughout yeah. the year. Uh, so nothing would surprise me here, but the Jets have an implied total of 12 and a half points. Yeah. Um, that I, I, I don't know if I ever remember an implied total that low. So um, I just, I can't, I can't look at any part of, of this team. I don't think that you can play the running backs. Obviously the, the wide receivers are, in an even worse spot, and there's no way I'm playing Braxton Barrios. I didn't want to play him at 3,800. I'm not going to play him at 4,900 in weather, right? Yeah, I don't think so, especially with you might have Elijah Moore and Jamison Crowder back this week. It's just like I think that really changes the equation of how much work he would get through the air, even before weather was a concern, even before <laughs> the Bills, I think maybe having the number one DVA pass defense. They're up there for sure. So, like, to my mind, none of them are options. This is almost more a question of my, maybe Michael Carter. Here's an interesting one. Carter has 2.4 yards after contact per attempt. That's the seventh highest among running backs with 100 or more carries. But he's got he only weighs 201 pounds. Like that was a shocking thing for me to see how how well he's done after contact. But comparing the Jets to the Patriots specifically, it's closer than you think from a rushing efficiency perspective. The Jets are 13th in run run offense DVOA. The Pats are ninth. But there's a more marked split between their power rushing success, where the Jets are 20th and the Patriots are fifth. And it seems to me that the Bills, when they've they've really struggled to stop, say, the Patriots and the Colts, some of these better rushing offenses, it's tended to be more the power game with the bigger backs, the jumbo sets, the like up the middle type of rushing attacks. I'm not sure that's exactly what the Jets do best. So I, I don't think they're going to have the same success that some of those other teams have had, even if the weather might influence their play calling to that perspective. 
So I don't know. I'm not sure I love any of those guys in a DFS angle this week. I did pick out Devin Singletary on the Bills side as potentially an option. He's 6,000 in DraftKings, and he's taken over as the as the sort of the featured back for the Bills in recent weeks, playing 82%, 93%, 63%, and 80% of snaps uh, with a 51.7% carry share over the last four weeks. But man, have I fallen for the Devin Singletary thing 50 billion times, Chris. So maybe you should tell me, am I falling for it again? Or <laughs> would you maybe take the plunge? Uh, man, we've just waited for years, <laughs> it feels like, for this Buffalo, you know, whether it was Singletary, Moss. I actually thought it was going to be Brita for a second there. Yeah. Uh, like, it just felt like it was like, okay, this is it. It's happening. Uh, but now that's what it feels like with Singletary here. It's just, you know, it's amazing to see anybody in this backfield get 20 plus attempts. And he's seen it twice in the last three weeks, I think. Um, you know, given everything that we know about the weather, and everything that we know about the Jets' uh, rush defense, mm-hmm. I want to play Singletary. Right now, I, I don't have him as the highest-owned running back on the slate. I have him around the 15% mark, you know, top yeah. five. And and that seems like it's a pretty fair spot given the risk that you have in there. Uh, you know, if the weather wasn't the way that it was, I think I would have tried to talk myself into an Allen to, to dig stack one more yeah. time this year. Just why not? Let's see if we can make it work. Uh, but given everything that's, you know, going on, if, if the wind is like that, Singletary mm-hmm. just seems like kind of uh, the most obvious play and really the only one in this in this game. Maybe Maybe you can go – you know, Dawson Knox and hope for some touchdowns. Some people say he's this year's Robert Tanyan uh, just scores the touchdowns in bunches. And, and yeah. that's about it. I think that's probably fair. It does help that the jets are 26th and run defense TV away. They're a top 10 increaser rushing touchdown rate. So like it's a good spot for the traditional running game and maybe the way the Patriots definitely weren't for them a few weeks ago. So you like that. I think that that could potentially work for you. All right. Next up 49ers at Rams 425 in LA in the dome. So, I mean, I think the, the stats kind of making the rounds that the, the Rams have lost five straight games to the 49ers. It seems like they really have their number. So in your mind, are you scared for the Rams, like offensive skill talent, the fantasy options on the team playing their, their now nemesis of a team in the NFC West? I mean, I, I don't want to be scared for a game in, you know, this the last week of the season where it matters for mm-hmm. both teams, yeah. um, you know, it has playoff implications. I think they're going to come and bring their best. And um, Stafford, you know, hit the knock has been that he doesn't show up in some of these big games. Uh, can he win this? I, I'm excited for it. I don't think you can get away from some of these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, most notably the, the, the obvious play that everybody's looking at uh, Cooper cup. I like <laughs> all of these guys. I mean, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of the segment, but yeah, I want to play these guys. I'm not so afraid of this San Francisco defense. I just hope it's the right Matt Stafford. I mean, we'll know by the end of the first quarter which Matt Stafford showed up. Uh, is it pick six Matt Stafford or is it three touchdown Matt Stafford? Or is it a combination of both? Yeah. I, great point there. I'll say that like my read of this, the recent success that the 49ers have had, I almost think it's more on the 49ers offense first Rams defense side of things where you know the Rams – kind of famously play a lot of those two high shells that in my mind are great for taking away the deep passing game, which is like great against like a Russell Wilson type of quarterback, but the 49ers who love to run the ball, it's just like, it's a really good matchup from them in that perspective. So I'd say, even if it were in general, I don't think I would be super scared of, of all the Rams offensive skill talent in this game. But now that the 49ers are just like totally decimated by COVID, I'm definitely not scared. So right now, Here's some players on the COVID list for the 49ers. <laughs> cornerbacks, Ambry Thomas, cornerbacks, Diamador Lenore, 
cornerback K1 Williams, their nickel corner, Dante Johnson, and then safety Jimmy Ward. I mean, this is going to be like a Ravens-esque, not starting any normal starters in the secondary. I mean, their, their cornerbacks weren't that good to begin with, to tell you the truth. Um, so, yeah, the 49ers also have the second-ranked run defense by DVOA and the 18th pass defense. So, like, this is a defense that skews you toward the pass in general, and it's just it, to me it's going to be even more extreme this week. I don't even think you can make Cooper Cup too expensive. He's 9700 in DraftKings, and I think he's still more than $1,000 underpriced. I don't think DraftKings prices guys that high, but whatever. I'm I'm starting him for, for sure in this spot. There's nobody on the team that can cover them, is, is there? No, I mean, and it's he's just been that decision. We haven't had the Christian McCaffrey this year or, or last year for that matter. He's just been the guy that you've had to make that decision with Derrick Henry out. It's him and Jonathan Taylor. These are the guys that you want to spend up on. Are they worth it? You know, they're going to have huge price tags. And when they fail, they're going to fail spectacularly. But we just haven't seen that from Cup. He's had the volume. He gets easy to catch passes that, you know, he can rack up those PPR points. And even at his high ownership, he he presents optimal leverage. I mean, the guy shows up regularly on both sites in the optimal lineup through simulations and projections, 20 to 25%, depending on which slate or which slate and which site. Uh, so yeah, I want to, I, I like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you want to fade cup because you feel like the, it, it's going to drop. I mean, like at the beginning of the season, we talked about a couple of guys that had this huge new market share that they didn't before DJ Moore, Cooper cup. We don't talk about DJ Moore anymore because he's just not that guy. Uh, but Cooper cup, I, I didn't think he was that guy either, but he's continued to be. And yeah, it's, he's just hard to fade. It's dangerous. It doesn't feel good. Uh, he's probably going to score and get, you know, 10 catches this week. Yeah, I mean, and frankly, you could probably stack some multiple Rams receivers if you wanted to that went at all Beckham or whatever. Like this potential for a lot of passing fireworks in that game in my mind. Okay, next up, pa- Patriots Dolphins, 425 in Miami, 78 degrees, 60% chance of rain, modest wind too. Do you think this is going to be Tua Tonga-Vailoa's last start for the Dolphins? I would say like the public sentiment of him probably couldn't be lower after losing the game to the Titans last week. But he's always looked a lot better from a passing DVOA perspective than I would say that reputation would suggest. Negative 8.5% and negative 3.8% this the last two seasons. Slightly below average, but again, also early in his career. What's your read on Tonga Vailoa as, as a Dolphins guy or maybe a future NFL starter? Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of options coming out of the draft. So, like, who, you know, who are they going to replace him with if they get rid of him? What is that kind of team sentiment when they didn't? vote him in as a team captain earlier in the year that said a lot about it um i think it was actually the patriots maybe the defensive coordinator or one of their coaches or or somebody on the staff um you know talked about kind of the read that they had on tua and the fact that he didn't progress through his reads uh and you know the way that this team started uh i didn't think that he would be a dolphin for very much longer Mm -hmm. that win streak the emergence of just relying on Jalen waddle has possibly saved his tenure there um, I don't think he's looked as bad, but he's certainly not this, he's not a flashy quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, win the game himself. Uh, it's just a matter of, is he going to be one of those guys that can prevent or not lose the game? Mm-hmm. And do, are they good enough around him to yeah. win the game without him? And I, I don't think the answer for that right now is yes. And I don't even see that they're like one or two pieces away from that in offense. Yeah, it's interesting because they've invested so much in their offensive line in recent drafts, but it just it hasn't worked. So they got a 47 percent pass block win rate. That's the lowest of all teams based on ESPN's metric there. And like that's all happening before two is doing anything. So like in my mind, it's been like a cool, smart move to go to this weird RPO heavy offense 
and it does suit to his skills because you're like he's 0.8% completion rate above expectations per next gen stats. That stat is adjusted for the depth of throw. So like even though he's taking easier type of throws to complete, he's still very accurate. So it like it creates this really weird scenario where you're like like this is a kind of a Mickey Mouse offense, but yeah, does it make sense for the talent on the team? Like two is really good at it. Two is a very accurate passer, but does he make a lot of bad decisions? Is that better than being the opposite? I don't know. It's like super confusing <laughs> and I don't really know what's going to happen. So like to me, it's, it's maybe the most fascinating thing in the league. I don't know if it's going to lead to a lot of great fantasy options for the week, especially since we might have the, the rain and wind down in Miami this week. But I am curious about your thoughts on Duke Johnson, because like he's had a 42.6% carry share the last two weeks, 26 highest among running backs, and is only 5,600 in FanDuel. Maybe an interesting cheaper option, but maybe not in a great matchup either. I don't know. Does the, does the weather weigh on you more than the matchup? Like, what are your thoughts there with the Dolphins running game? Yeah, it's just the there's too many guys. There's too many people eating back there. I mean, the Duke Johnson uh, blow up ceiling game that we got a couple of weeks ago <laughs> was surprising, but you know, it wasn't something that you could uh, lean on because you knew Gaskin would be back and have some type of role. You'd have Lindsay. There's just mm -hmm. not, and this has been the problem with this backfield, even before Johnson is that you couldn't trust that one guy was going to even get like that 60 or 70% yeah. of the touches. It's the same problem that we have in Denver only magnified. Um, and then just in, in the passing, just the, the weather is the concern. I'd want to play Waddle because at 6,300, he is still semi-interesting to me because of the belief that people have that Belichick takes away your best offensive weapon. Yeah. Oh, look, that's what all defenses, this is the best weapon. <laughs> what can we do to limit him? Like, I, you know, I hate that narrative. Um, he's just had better defenses, so they've done it better than other people. Um, you know, a divisional game. I don't expect a lot of points here. Uh, if if I do, I'd see it on the New England side, and they just have a lot of guys in their backfield too. So mm -hmm. without a clear solo running back, I'm probably steering clear of a lot of parts of this game at, at this point. Yeah, I mean, hard to disagree with any of that. So let's just keep going. Seahawks at Cardinals, 425 in the Dome in Arizona. Uh, do you think Russell Wilson is declining as a player, or is he simply hurt? So there's some pretty interesting splits that you could kind of take either way. So like weeks one to five this year were great, 9.5 yards per attempt, 7.9% touchdown percentage, hurt his finger, then dropped to 6.6 and 3.6% since. Well, that doesn't include last week because I was too lazy to recalculate. So it, it got a little <laughs> bit better. But like interestingly, that week 10 to 16 range was very similar to the same time last year where he had this like market decline in the second half of the season. So I don't know what to think, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, and I was going to say, I, I wonder what like the the beginning half of last season was like because I remember it. I mean, it, it we, was great. We, we, yeah, yeah, we were all like, "Hey, Russ is cooking. This is great." You know, you started playing him in DFS. He was like the first guy that you want you put into your lineups, and then all of a sudden, he just fell off a cliff, kind of like Kyler Murray too uh, in the same game. But like these guys have not been good second half of the year quarterbacks. Is it because of the injury? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Russ is that guy, um, or if just you know, he just doesn't seem to run the ball and create the plays and the scrambles that he did when he was younger. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that that's what made him so dynamic and so great as uh, a quarterback that without some of those things and not being at possibly 100 percent, it's concerning. I mean, they yeah. beat up on the Lions, though. Um, <laughs> uh, Cardinals aren't the Lions, even though they lost to the Lions. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So yeah, and I'm not sophisticated enough of film guy to really kind of get in there and tell you what like what's wrong with with Wilson physically or whatever. But I do think it's interesting that he maybe more than any other quarterback has relied on deep passing for his fantasy success. 
like I would say relative to his other talents as a, as a passer, he does better with the deep throws than anyone else. And it does seem like it might be the, the too high shelving that's, that's really taken over and especially taken over out West with some of those teams that might be a particularly good defense to, to like reduce what Wilson does best, even more so than guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, where I know that's where the narrative was kind of wrapped up with it earlier in the year. So to me, that's like an interesting angle that I want to see going forward. I'm curious, like, I wonder if, if Wilson ends up on a different team, if we'll have a chance to sort of see that play out. But I'm nervous enough about it that, like, I'm not going to be lining up to start him this week from a fantasy perspective. <laughs> the DFS play that I want to make, and you're going to have to tell me if I'm crazy here, is Antoine Wesley, who's actually kind of expensive at 5,400 in FanDuel. But he's played 85%, 77%, and 57% of snaps the last three weeks since DeAndre Hopkins got hurt. Has three touchdowns and 2.6 expected touchdowns. That ladder title is top three among wide receivers. It's behind just Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs. And the guy's six foot four. Like, is this a touchdown scorer? Like, is this a real dude? Yeah, I mean, he could be. Um, I, I don't think he's a guy that you try and prioritize into your lineup. I think he's like one of those last two or three spots. Uh, you know, I, I, if you're not game stacking this and you're trying to just kind of get those last couple spots, I, I don't think that he's a problem to go in there. But I, I do have some concerns. Is it real? Like, are we chasing points at this point? Awesome, um you know, but they don't have a lot of other options there right now. I mean, you know, Christian Kirk, AJ Green, those are kind of different guys. Different. I mean, AJ Green's a big guy too, but different point in his career, yeah, I guess I should that, say. That's fair for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think the I'll, I'll take it a different way because a lot of what I do is try and hmm. um, fade the plays that I think are bad and hope that I get the other plays right. So instead of picking a play here, I think like Penny is going to be one of the highest owned running backs on this slate yeah. and I'm just going to hundred percent avoid him. And if Love that's the wrong decision, that's that the wrong call. decision. So, so like this may seem like sour grapes cause I wasn't really banging Penny's drums a few weeks ago, but like his, his breakout of late is extremely well correlated with the quality of run defenses that he's faced where he's run for like at least 130 yards against three bottom 10 run defense DVOA teams. He faced the Rams who were top seven and he ran for like 40 yards and the Cardinals are kind of right there with the Rams as one of the better run blocking team or run run defending teams in the league. I do not want him in any of my my DFS lineups this week where his prices have really kind of gotten out of hand. So love that. Love that call. Completely agree. Couple more games to hit on Chris, and then I'll finally let you go. Uh Panthers at Bucks, 425 in Tampa, 79 degrees and clear, one of the better weather games of the week. So Ronald Jones injured his ankle last week and is, hasn't been practicing and is actually in a walking boot as of at least Wednesday. I think that's probably still true. So let's assume that he misses this game and assuming that both Keyshawn Vaughn and Le'Veon Bell play. Do either, either of those players pique your interest as an option for you given their kind of less expensive prices in DFS? Yeah, I mean, man, the Jets are just destroying chalk running backs, right? Um, <laughs> and Ronald Jones goes out, James Robinson, like it's it's just been rough. Um yeah, Vaughn's interesting. Um, I, I do generally think that Carolina and divisional matchups are a little more difficult for guys. I, I just don't know if this is a position where I want a 20 to 25% owned Keyshawn Vaughn against the Carolina defense. But, you know, I, I, I like him better than Penny at that high ownership if you have to pick one of the two. Yeah. Um, I just... I'm tore anytime that a guy is over 20% owned projection and he's over 5,000. It's just hard to go there. I think I'd rather play four minute 5,700 and make, figure out how to make that work than Vaughn. Yeah. Honestly, I think I agree with you too. 
I will say Vaughn has performed better than I thought he did based on the way the Bucks have sort of treated him as a player the last two years. Over 52 career carries, 5.0 yards per attempt, 3.0 yards after contact per attempt. Like that all looks pretty good, even though that's a small sample. But I have to think that's he's just taking advantage of what are good opportunities with the top five adjusted line yards run blocking offense that the Bucks have. So I just I mean, I think that would be a good thing going forward if he got a ton of work. Like, yeah, he's he's getting these easy opportunities. But the Panthers, who I think started the year as a more extreme split between their pass and run defenses, have kind of settled into an average team in both respects, 15th in pass defense, 17th in run defense. They're neutral for run plays and rushing efficiency. So, like, I don't necessarily think this is a good spot for him the way that you would you might expect given the overall disparities of these teams. So while I think that he is an interesting DFS option, I'm not sure I want to go all in if everyone else is going all in on him too. So I, I agree with you in that perspective, Chris. And, and what happens sometimes is that we think that, hey, this guy is getting elevated into this position and he's going to take over the entire workload. Well, no, maybe Le'Veon Bell goes really into could. the Vaughn role yep. and maybe he doesn't take over the whole workload. Um, I mean, we've seen it you know, when, uh, I, I want to say when McKissick went down, did Gibson get all of the passing targets? No, they brought in Smallwood, they brought in Patterson, like, sometimes these guys don't get into the roles that we you know put and perceive and then group think and everybody puts together and says this is exactly what's going to happen the reality is sometimes we're really bad at figuring those things out so does does Vaughn get 20 25 touches if that's the case and you can guarantee that me for me yeah okay we'll go ahead and play him at 20 to 25 touches but I just don't know if he does I don't know if he's that guy and I don't know if they think he's that guy and I, look this is a team that is willing to throw the ball 40 to 45 times 50 if Tom Brady wants to, right? So, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that would be my concern there. He is at a price where, you know, if he fits into your lineup, it, it, it's hard to it's hard to ignore if he is going to get that 20 to 25 mm-hmm. touches. But I don't know if he will. Yeah, with you there. All right, one more game to touch on. Chargers at Raiders, the Sunday night game in the Dome in Las Vegas. It seems like Darren Waller's going to play. He's been practicing this week. This would be his first game since a week 12 uh, knee slash back injury. He had COVID last week. There's been a lot of things going on with him at this point, but I think you would probably really want to start him in normal circumstances here. The Chargers have allowed 13 touchdowns to tight ends this season. That's the most in football. So are you going to do it? Are you going to pull the trigger on Waller if he plays? Or are you scared off by the fact that he's been out for so long at this point? No, I would be scared of any tight end playing against this Chargers defense. I mean, that's just kind of a flow chart situation. And then you just couple it in with the way that tight ends and, you know, there's no, there's no backing to this. It's just is what's happened this year is tight ends have been very good on showdown slates for whatever reason yeah. that is. So you got to play a tight end against the worst tight end defense on a <laughs> showdown slate and, a, and an offense that has really struggled in his absence. Um, yeah, I, I love playing Waller there, especially if there is some type of concern that people have coming back off of the injury, yeah. coming back off of it. Uh, you know, it, it's not a situation where you want to wait and see. You don't have an opportunity to wait and see here. You have to take it. You have to be bold, and victory favors the bold, right? Love that. Straight out of that Matt Damon commercial, for sure. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm not gonna, I think that's a good play too, but for a DFS play, I'm going to mention somebody else I think is also interesting is Josh Jacobs at 6,500 at DraftKings. So you mentioned that the Chargers are probably the best matchup for tight ends in fantasy, but they're also the number 32 run defense by DVOA. They increased their opponent's run plays by 14% per game, increased rushing yards and touchdowns by 7% and 35% per attempt. So all of that seems like a really good spot for Jacobs to be running the ball. Plus, Ever since Kenyon Drake went out for the season, he's jumped up to a 14.9% target share 
fifth highest among running backs. So like it's a true bell cow type of workload here for him now too. So do you like him as much as I do in this spot as well? Yeah. And it's not just that it, this offense has targeted the running backs more than any other offense in football. So, and, and that's indicative in those numbers right there, but yeah, Jacobs, I, I think he's sneaky, especially if people do want to go back to Waller. Cause I think they do. Nobody wants to play Foster Monroe. You want to play Darren Waller. Yeah. Um, so in that case, you can put Josh Jacobs, put him in your captain slot. Um, even if the Chargers score a lot of points, Josh Jacobs should get a lot of points in that passing game work um, with you know dump offs in the in the backfield as they try and catch up. Agreed, Chris. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show today. Maybe add some intrigue to, to guys' weeks eighteen if if some of their teams aren't really motivated to play for the playoffs. For all of our audience, tell everybody what you have going on, where they can check out your work or your Twitter or whatever else you want to promote. Yeah, my Twitter is right here on the, on the screen. It's EmmerichD4U. Um, I do a lot of football content over at DrRoto.com. Obviously, football is kind of winding down, but I also do all the esports, League of Legends. So you can find all my content over there for League of Legends if you want to get into that. There's a lot of money to be made. It's all free. Uh, so currently, so come take advantage of it and uh, hang out. I'm guessing that some of our audience would love to do that, considering we're since we're streaming live on Twitch and, and Twitter and everything else, in addition to YouTube. Hopefully, we have a few esports fans in, in the house as well. So check out Chris's work; he does great stuff over there at Doctor Roto. And in general, before we head out, let me mention again one more time: FO Plus is on sale for 99 cents a week for annual subscriptions. So go to FootballOutsiders.com/slash-subscribe to figure that out as well. If people are still playing traditional formats, good luck to you in week 18. Hope you can pull out the championships. Probably playing DFS. Hope you win millions and millions of dollars this week. Um, but again, keep coming to Football Outsiders all throughout the postseason. We're going to have some great shows for you pretty much Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time every day, streaming live. So check us then. Enjoy your weekend. Hope your teams get into the playoffs, and we'll swing back to talk to you again next week.